I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the latest edition of the Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery and this week we're going to have a political special looking at the weaknesses of the Conservative Party. Is it bedeviled by its party of the rich problem? Is the Labour Party ever going to overcome its distance from business and does it matter quite so much in a time when capitalism is not so popular? And also the fact that neither of the parties, none of the parties are particularly interested in foreign policy probably should be a weakness but isn't. So this week, to discuss those issues, I'm joined by our digital news editor, Lek Mintov Shish. We're joined by the editor of the Red Box Morning Email, Phil Webster, and also by our deputy foreign editor, Susie Jagger. Lek, can I start with uh, you, please? And uh, first of all, thank you very much for joining our podcast. This is your first time with us. How worried should the Conservative Party be about its reputation as the as the party of the rich? Last week in particular with the HSBC tax evasion stories and the black and white ball wasn't probably what the Tory election campaign would have uh, dreamt of as their um, strategy? Well, they, they really should be worried, um, but they just don't seem to be. Uh, and it's it's quite a... A bizarre uh, sense that they they bring over. They they their whole black and white ball was a was a entirely foreseeable disaster, and yet they didn't seem to foresee it or didn't seem to care that it was going to be a disaster. I can only imagine that they seem to have uh, conceded that they're going to lose the elections. They might as well juice their don- uh, donors for as much as they can get out of them before they all run away again um, because they've got nobody in a ministerial position anymore. You know, the reports are that the ball raised about £3 million pounds, mm-hmm. and they probably thought, or may have calculated, that the negative publicity they would get from selling, auctioning off prizes for pheasant shoots and having porn barons turn up to their fundraiser was worth the £3 million pound that they would be able to spend in marginal seats. It's interesting. They've got away with it. Every year since they've been in coalition, they've, they've got away with it. Um, there's been... I did a check yesterday. There's been about 100 articles written up until now um, on the black and white ball since May 2010. And then in the last two weeks, there's been another 100. Well, you know, that was something that they could have foreseen yeah. coming, but they didn't. And they should be worried about it because, 
it's, it's so obvious it should hardly need saying mm. that uh, the Tory party being caricatured as the nasty party, the party of the rich, is so toxic for them electorally. It's such an open goal for Miliband that why why present it to him in, in, in such an obvious way? Phil Webster, does it matter though? Because in a sense, is the Conservative Party's reputation as the party that's close to the rich Everybody knew that anyway. We didn't. Maybe it was confirmed. Maybe it will energise a few Labour voters, but probably not going to move the electoral dial that much. Possibly not. The The timing couldn't have been worse for them because it came right in the middle of this huge row about tax uh, avoidance. And I think the, uh, the, the th- Lecker's right here. The, the, the most worrying point about it from the Tories' point of view is that it plays into Labour's argument about we being on your side. Mm. And, and it is a sort of graphic illustration maybe of the Tories not being on your side mm. if they can spend all their time worrying about going skiing in Verbier actually Verbier's a nice place to ski but <laughs> and 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 going shopping for kitten heels with uh, Theresa May and all this kind of stuff. It looks. The most bizarre it looks, prize was the morning jog with Nicky Morgan, the education secretary. The bidding tens of thousands of pounds for that seems slightly odd to me. Or, or even, uh, or even breakfast with Michael Gove looked uh, <laughs> looked um, looked slightly questionable uh, as well. But it, it, I think the other point about it did they really need that money at this particular time i think they're probably they they're probably full of cash yeah. they probably didn't need to hold that event of course it was probably fixed a year ago and they they were stuck with the date but if somebody they clever knew the election was coming though didn't they they knew the election was coming if they could well that's why i suppose it was put in at that time but if somebody clever had spotted it a few months ago that this one is going to play like mm play very very badly indeed at the time you're right the uh, the the public does see the conservative party as the party of the rich and nothing they do over the next uh, two months is going to change that it re it reinforces that perception the labor party uh, hasn't had a lot going for it even though it maintains this slender lead in the polls this is just one area where it it certainly helps Miliband, something as graphic as the black and white ball. Uh, Susie Jagger, it's not just um, Labour that potentially benefits from this as well, it's UKIP as well, isn't it? Because UKIP is always trying to present itself as representing the kind of blue-collar striving voter that Mrs Thatcher and Norman Tebbit reached in the 1980s and that David Cameron and George Osborne, perhaps partly because of their background, struggled to reach. I think the, the, the UKIP issue is what makes is, is why we're left with both Labour and the Tories uh, sort of demonstrating so much sort of, that sort of air of desperation. I mean, at the moment, um, if you look at the Tories and and, and and Labour, there seems to be a complete paucity of policies. I mean, the fact that uh, we came out with the the Tories came out with the policy for um, let's not let's withdraw benefits for fatties, druggies, and boozers seemed to me to be so so desperate at this stage in the like election. One of Tony Blair's eye-catching initiatives, if you remember those, That's that right. I mean, you know, didn't so last more than 24 hours. I was going to say, and then we hear it was watered down over the weekend, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to be that fat. But, um, but it, it just struck me that, um, you know, sort of a couple of months before an election... We ought to be into proper dirty tricks, proper policy rows, and actually just introducing the idea that um, you shouldn't be able to get your housing benefit if you're obese struck me as being rather strange. Mm. And that 
air of desperation, I think, is all because of UKIP. It's all because um, Labour and the Tories are desperately trying to get this sort of core centrist vote, but at the same time don't quite know what to do with the European issue and also don't know how to really cope with their backbenchers, many of whom actually resonate with UKIP policies. Mm. So, as the, uh, the YouGov poll showed on Monday, the UKIP voters take a different view on the economy mm. uh, than Tory voters and uh, they're closer in many ways to Labour voters in terms of being opposed to further spending cuts. UKIP voters also don't believe the recovery. Mm. They don't believe the recovery has happened. They think it might have happened in London but they certainly don't believe it has happened in the rest of the country. Mm. So uh, again it plays in there, I think. Oh, we, we, we had an editorial in the paper last um, Wednesday, I think it was, which said although the Conservatives were the party of the rich, they could make a very good case that they had the best policies yeah, for, I mean, the, I, for, I, the, for the poor. I, and I, I, it's a constant puzzle for me why the Tories being the party uh, for the rich is, is used as so effectively as a stick to beat them with. It should be uh, a fantastically saleable narrative to, to the electorate. You know, that what they believe in is trickle down. You know, they don't, they don't just believe in, in people being wealthy for the sake of wealth itself, for, for the sort of loads of money type caricature. Um, they believe in, you know, rich people enabling uh, other people to become richer themselves. And they believe in aspiration. I think where the Tories really have a problem, where UKIP has got in there in such an effective way, is in failing to sell the aspiration side of things. They're there up there with the, with the, with the rich, they're, but they're, they're not really convincing people that they can join the ranks of the rich. If you, like, if you look at policies like help to buy, yeah. raising the income tax threshold, the universal credit, which now looks like it might work, ensuring that work pays. There's quite a lot of policies there. Michael Gove made a speech on this to Policy Exchange two weeks ago, but it's almost a completely untold story yeah, absolutely it's absolutely it is completely bizarre i mean they're, they're like they're, they're like really useless um uh <laughs> used car salesmen that say to everybody we want everybody to have a fantastic car but then they spend the whole time hanging around with people with ferraris and you know, somebody walks in do, in a mondeo do, and they go oh, do we blame linton crosby partly for this phil because he's really decided that the tories have got to have their long-term economic plan message their deficit message their tough um you know generally tough guy message and so Michael Gove makes this speech about what the Tories have delivered on education standards, for example, but we, we, we as political geeks have noticed, but they haven't got it over to the public at yeah, all. and the briefers aren't briefing it. I mean, mm. the briefers are, are following the, the Crosby line. Now, the Crosby strategy for this election has been set down, and it's the one that's being followed. And you find that the speeches uh, that are being briefed, the stories that are being being promoted are those stories that fit in with that narrative mm. not the Gove narrative okay so let's move on from the Tories problem with association with the rich to the Labour Party's problem of a lack of any association with business there was an interesting poll though Phil Webster in by YouGov again in the second mention of the Times pollsters which actually found that voters now would rather politicians stood up to big business than helped big business. I think it was something like 49% to 33%. Has the tide shifted in a way that helps Labour or 
ultimately, will there be a suspicion at the back of the floating voters' mind that actually a party that doesn't really understand the wealth-creating sector of the economy can't be trusted with the keys to number 11 Downing Street? Yeah, I mean, that figure was was buoyed up the Labour Party, the 49% figure it's been quoted around mm. all over the place. But I believe that today's Labour leadership knows that it has to do more to get business on side. And I know that uh, Chakaramana, Ed Balls were very frustrated by the tit-for-tat row that developed over tax donations. Mm. Now, Ed Balls has got in his own trouble uh, about uh, in recent days issues, about yeah. cash in hand. But he has been working with Amuna over the last years to try and patch up relations with business. After all, Tony Blair could never have won his two landslides without giving business the impression that he was on their side. And of course, yeah. he, he was on their side. And Amana... Was that a slightly different time, though? The 1990s, business it, perhaps wasn't quite the, the villain that it is after the global crash. Yes, I mean, big business has taken big knocks, and it does it does Labour no harm to be pointing this out. Uh, I do feel, though, that Labour has been sidelined completely. With the HSBC row, they should have stuck with that. Mm. Instead, they, got, they, they should have pushed David Cameron and Osborne on their links with, or on the, on the fact that they appointed Lord Green, mm. who was the former head of HSBC, to a government job. They haven't pushed on that. They instead mm. pursued Lord Fink. They got a result there. They got very excited by it. It wasn't a Millie Dale moment, uh, as some yes, said, rather. but uh, they allowed themselves to be sidetracked from an issue where they could have been yeah. could have been making a game. They also, did Susie the also get themselves in a position that was deeply uncomfortable for the Labour Party? I mean, instead of pushing on, as, as you were just saying, to, going for large corporations on, um, you know, for, for, for trying to track down large corporations to pay their tax bills, such as the likes of Starbucks, as you know, very much talked about by Mandelson in the last government. They instead got themselves in a position where they appear to be cracking down on some of the lowest paid people in mm. our in, in our society with you know, people who, who earn £20 for, for, for cleaning someone's someone's office in, you know, on godly hours. And that's, that really isn't a position that the Labour Party would want to be in, well, is it? nasty party. No, the second nasty party. <laughs> the, the way Susie Jagger for Labour back into the business community must surely be its opposition to... Britain leaving the European Union. Lots of British business very unhappy about the Conservative position. And also lots of British business worried about the sort of the UKIP tendency within the Conservative Party to crack down on immigration. It's not clear to me that the Conservative Party actually would crack down on immigration, but they're making sort of quite assertive noises and the Home Office has adopted policies that a lot of business don't like. Again, it seems to be something Labour should really be pressing these issues home, but somehow it seems to lack the drive to really stick at it. Perhaps, I wonder, because they're not that interested in winning the business vote. It's not where their heart is, and their heart, therefore, isn't in a sustained outreach to business leaders. It's very interesting, isn't it? The, um, their nervousness about trying to play the EU card, because they're the uh, Liberal Democrats for this election don't really matter. But um, the I hope if Nick Clegg's listening, we apologise to I'm him sorry, now. So, um, Susie, you're so direct. But Labour are the, the only party who've been clear on we're not interested in in our referendum on, mm. on the EU. And um, I know it sounds like a cliche, 
maybe it is, but um, all businesses really want is clarity. They want certainty about what your clear positions are on things such as the EU, taxation, uh, immigration, etc. And they could play the EU card by saying, you know, there's no in-out for us, there's no, there's no wishy-washy position, we're clear on it. But it's so toxic, they're so scared of... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com alienating what might be the Labour vote that would go to UKIP, that they, they don't mention it, even though that would play very, very well, I think, towards the business community. But um, it was very interesting hearing Blair um, a few months ago, and he, he was talking very clearly about the um, in defence of why we should be part of Europe. And he was talking about there are certain things that you, can't, um, you cannot do on your own. You're better off as part of a larger community, both in terms of trade, but also in terms of things like defence. And it was the clearest and most articulate argument in favour of Europe which we just don't hear anymore mm. from any politician because people are too scared but politicians are too scared because they think well, that they'll alienate the vote Look, it's part of the Labour problem that you know, they have this left flank now exposed as well they have the Greens for example and so any sort of sense that they, any gain they get from perhaps voters in the middle the floating centre from looking more business friendly uh, could be more than balanced out for by losing sort of yeah. more die-hard left-wingers to a Green Party that is much more aggressive towards um, the business community. It's not unusual for a politician to have to play a double game, but um, Labour Party are playing a double game with this. They know, they know that, you know, to the voters, the sort of Millwall approach um, uh, of, you know, they, as in big business, don't like us and we don't care, <laughs> that sounds great to, to... or they think it sounds great to their voters. But on the other hand, you know... <laughs> Even the Labour Party has to realise that 80% of um, the workforce works in the private sector, that you know, the majority of, of the electorate actually depends on business, big or small or medium or whatever, um, to pay their bills. So they're, they're, they have to make these noises to business. They have to try and woo business under the radar. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it, it feels a bit icky to me, this uh, sort, of, uh, uh, sort of fundamentally 
sort of dishonest approach. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, yeah, it does leave them uh, open to uh, attacks on all sides, really, if anybody is able to exploit them, really. Um, um, I think singing the praises of Europe also doesn't fit with their core vote strategy. Yeah. Um, I think their core vote isn't in love with Europe. It probably vote to stay in well, Europe, but it's not in love. The suggests that Labour voters are as Eurosceptic as Tory yes. voters. And, and, and they're, again, uh, they're in, on their other flank is UKIP. Mm. Uh, so they're not shouting about Europe. Uh, and because if they do, they, they refer to it in every big speech. They refer mm. to the fact that the Tories want to pull us out of Europe. And the, questioning they, the, the question is, why aren't you going to hold an in-out referendum? And there are one or two people in the business mm. world, John Longworth last week, who are now saying, from why the, don't we have a referendum British, and sort it out? From the British Chambers of Commerce. Yeah. Com so just finally on this subject, before we move on, Phil, um, Ed Balls is a consummate politician. He's been around the track uh, once or twice. Funny that he would make this mistake over receipts and the black economy. And uh, do you think it will damage him particularly? Does it make him look slightly amateurish? Or is this one of the issues that Susie was talking about earlier? We're talking about things that are peripheral to what really should be the big issues that should be deciding the election. I imagine he's beside himself with fury with himself for making not only that error, but also the error over Bill somebody um, because they're things that get remembered they they, they get re remembered in a jocular way but they're now on on his CV mm. uh, he's an ex-journalist uh, as I wrote in uh, Red Box uh, it's it, he would have known that his claim to have asked for a receipt would have been explored to the full and my god it was and mm. we saw the results and uh, so we have a window cleaner who's been working for years and telling the papers that um, he's never been asked for a receipt once yeah and his office came out and said well actually he paid the bloke by check and he doesn't ask for a receipt when he pays by check <laughs> but you know the world isn't going to take any notice of that no, no. It, it was uh, yes damaging it it will not damage his credentials to be Chancellor of the Exchequer if if that's an issue. But it 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 does doesn't help his reputation as a sure footed politician. Yeah. Okay, well let's move on to our, our final topic. You know, we come to you, Susie Jagger, on on this one, please. We've talked about the party of the rich label hurting the Conservatives. We we've talked about the party of anti business potentially hurting Labour. Um you're our deputy foreign editor, and foreign policy isn't featuring really at all in this campaign. None of the parties have a particularly developed foreign policy. But do the voters care? Not a bit, it seems. Um, I'm not sure that's true, actually. Um, they, the, perhaps the, the voters don't appear to care because there aren't any foreign policies between them. Um, there's no differences between them because none of them have got a foreign policy. And when Cameron tried to dabble with foreign policy, for example, intervention in Libya, we're now looking at the disaster that he left behind. You know, we've now got um, you know, 21 beheadings on um, the Mediterranean coast. Mm. And his, his, I think... Of Egyptian Coptic Christians. Of, of yes. Egyptian Coptic yeah. Christians. And I think he, Cameron had wanted to show sort of strength in a foreign policy position to buddy up with the French and the Americans and wanting to get in and out quickly and was popular at the time. But unfortunately, by not hanging around long enough, we've now got the chaos that we have in Libya and the mm. ISIS threat. But the real position, and 
I think this would play well to voters, is that we no longer have any buddies in the Middle East. We used to have three pillars of our um, foreign policy, which was Saudi, Syria and Egypt. Mm. And now Egypt's gone because of um, their own revolution and, you know, the West, I suppose we couldn't really afford to to knock back the pro-democracy movement. But we've now alienated Egypt. Um, Syria, well, you know, I need need not mention that. Civil war. A civil war. And Saudi, well, there are only real friends. So we have no... We have no allies in the Middle East. And I'm sorry to go back to Blair again, but it was Blair who said, um, I think it was earlier last year, that we should just buddy up back with Egypt, sort of buddy up, hold your nose. Mm. It doesn't matter about their human rights um, record. We, we need friends in that region because the threat of um, ISIS and the threat of a terror attack coming back to the UK being, um, being originated in some part of the Middle East is quite high. Mm. And I think if, if, if either Labour or the Tories were to play to that, that that would have some kind of resonance. But I think I think that really the lack of a foreign policy um, comes down to a sort of narrowing of, of not in times readers, of course, but in, in the population um, generally, of focus in terms of um, what they're actually interested in. They, there's a, it feels to me that there's a trend that people are only interested in foreign policy um, to the extent to which it affects us at home, you know, yes, it's we're scared about people, jihadists coming back to this country and blowing themselves up or, or going on the, on the loose with a gun. Yes, we're, we're, we're interested in, you know, how Greece is going to blow up our own economy. Yes, we're interested on whether or not we can get a cheap holiday in, in the Eurozone. But the more esoteric foreign policy um, details just don't seem to seem to gain traction at the moment. Uh, it, it, I think we're scarred uh, as, a, as a country. It's been a long time since we, we intervened anywhere and felt good, uh, good about it after a few months. Uh, and th- that's a really interesting point about sort of the, um, the self-interested nature of perhaps the British people's view of foreign policy, Susie. And one thing I have picked up a little bit from speaking to um, foreign governments is they find that the sort of a very heavy commercial aspect of British foreign policy now that when they meet... British ministers from the top to the Foreign Office to others. It's very trade-related, and there's something slightly nice. shabby about, about that. Is, is, is my experience unusual, or, or would you say, hmm, there no, is something there? I think that's bang on. One of the mm. first, um, if you can call it foreign policy, um, positions that Cameron did was to, put, um, was to hire a plane and put a pile of business people on it and to mm. go to India. And it struck me as being fantastically naff. Mm-hmm. You know, we need India, not just for trade, but we need them for intelligence on things like the Pakistan Taliban. Yeah. There's no reason why India shouldn't be one of our closest pals, given the huge Indian community here, our colonial ties. But instead, you watch Obama trying to cosy up to them. I mean, it doesn't really matter, he's leaving anyway. But mm. the, the idea is that we, you know, so if we look at um, our foreign friends 20 or 30 years ago, we had true allies who shared intelligence with us, yeah. um, we had proper context we had a sense of what was happening in the world and that which is um, ever more important when you look at the global um, coalitions of terror groups but now it seems to be well if we can get um, some kind of deal for BAE systems out of it then then it's worth doing but otherwise it's not and the foreign secretary Philip Hammond however able he is he's, he's not steeped really in an interest mm. in the in the world he is more on the economic side of the conservative he's tradition clueless. I mean the other day he was talking you're about putting it a bit more harshly than the me. other day he was talking about about how well Bahrain was doing in terms of reforming itself. And it's quite clear that he had to say that because you know, there's, there's the, um, the 
US Sixth Fleet in Bahrain. You know, they are they're they're close ties with us. Most of their military went to Sandhurst. You know, they're a sort of minor ally. But you know, the idea that Bahrain has got uh, is reforming its democracy. And a, it doesn't have a democracy. B, it's not reforming. And C, two days after he was speaking, there were massive protests in the street. Mm. I mean, I, you know, it's it's slightly clueless, isn't it? But you were a few minutes ago were saying we needed strategic allies. Bahrain is a strategic ally for the UK, and he's the same way that we cosy up to Saudi Arabia, not a particularly attractive regime. We need allies. That's this is right. real politic, is but it not? Don't go on the record saying we think that this cu- this country is about is 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 doing well in um, democratic reform, in reforming itself, in bringing human rights um, uh, you know, cases to the front. If if it's yeah. not the case, okay, um, Phil. Um, Third and final mention of YouGov. I promise listeners we're uh, not sponsored by uh, YouGov. But uh, Stephen Shakespeare is doing a strategy lab in the Times Saturday edition every um, week now um, in the run-up to the election. And one of the things he found recently was that actually quite a pro-increased spending would work quite well with Labour-inclined voters. And another thing that worked really well with Labour-inclined voters was just basically say, no more foreign wars have really did test off the scale. Should Labour go there? Should Labour be much more sort of um, hawkish on being anti-hawkish? I can't see them going quite that far, but I think that successive governments over recent decades have downgraded foreign policy and they have downgraded the role of the Foreign Office. It's still the nicest office in, in Whitehall, but when did we last have what we would call a great Foreign Secretary? Uh, I think James Callaghan... He went on from Foreign Secretary to become Prime Minister. John Major did a couple of weeks as Foreign Secretary before uh, going to judge. A little bit judge. more than a couple of weeks. But, but he, did a very, more, yeah. he did a very short... It, it's not been the place where Prime Ministers have sent their top people. Uh, we mentioned Philip Ham- Hammond. He's known, I gather, in the MOD and the Foreign Office as the bean counter. Um, that's pretty unfair on him. But you know what they're getting at. They're getting yeah. at a man who's more worried about how much is being being spent on defence and foreign policy than, um, than actually necessarily believing it. I think Labour could, could not go as far as, um, as the YouGov question suggests because that would play pretty badly uh, and look in danger and of And their shadow uh, foreign secretary, Dalek, Douglas seat. Alexander, is yeah. not actually an isolationist, is he? No, and no. It, would look, it would look unpatriotic, mm. but there's absolute, there is absolutely no appetite since Iraq for any further intervention and uh, we know how Miliband actually gained from opposing the Syria Mm. intervention it looks fairly handy now that he did. I I don't think we'll ever see a Labour government advocating military action in our lifetime. Not not, not, not for the foreseeable future but perhaps if they strike us that things might change I don't know. the The public particularly on ISIS the public seems a bit more pro-action than any yeah. of the political parties at the moment. We're not, we're not going to defeat this threat, are we, like, without ground troops? Which threat? ISIS. ISIS. Yes, but do they need to be our ground troops? They could be from the regional well, allies that Susie mentioned. Yeah, I mean, there was a very good comment piece in the paper on Tuesday uh, making the case uh, for a resurrection of the Death Star operation um, that was so effective in Iraq in 2005 and in uh, Afghanistan as well, I believe. You know, it was a, a rolling special forces killing troop um, to just take out and degrade the, the top of ISIS on an ongoing basis. You know, that's that's the sort of thing that, that the West can give that 
can really make a difference in terms of you know sheer scale of bodies and numbers well you know is that is that a job for us anymore mm. uh, is this uh, is this not a job for um for arab countries to be contributing to okay well like thank you very much in particular for joining us um today we will um we will include the link that you mentioned to that death star article and a number of other background reading um materials to all time subscribers who go to the times.co.uk slash comment central you can go there you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes you can subscribe to the red box email that uh, phil webster edits and is sent out free of charge every morning just after eight o'clock and that will be if you sign up will be a reward for his very early 5 a.m starts every day to put that uh, together and also i must thank uh, susie jagger very much as well thank you to dave mcguire my producer for putting this podcast together We'll be back next week with another podcast. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.